Welcome to Red Star Reviews, the podcast, episode two, The Books of Summer. Um, first off, let me go ahead and start by saying thank you so, so, so very much to everyone who downloaded episode one, who listened to it, who commented on it, who commented on my bookstagram or Facebook or Twitter account, all the support that y'all poured out. I just, I can't tell you how much that means to me. Thank you so very much. Um, one of the reasons why I had to do the podcast or felt I needed to do the podcast is I just felt the need to create, to make something fresh and new to me. I did not know if it was going to have an audience. I did not know what sort of response it was going to get, but the response has been amazing. One of my favorite podcasters, a man by the name of Rob Bell, who runs the Robcast, if you're looking for a good podcast to listen to, he comments often, says that, when you need to create, you just got to go ahead and create. You know there's something inside of you that needs to come out. So don't worry about whether or not people are going to respond. You just create. You put your thing out there. You give your speech. You start your church. You create a podcast. You write your book. You do your art. You start a hiking group. You do whatever you need to do and that... You're being true to yourself. Don't worry about the external response that you don't have control over, which is the audience. Those appear or not, whether you're talking to one person or 150 person, it doesn't matter as long as you're creating. And I agree with that. And that helped inspire me to go ahead and get started. But the response has been amazing. Now, I want to go ahead and apologize that during the course of this podcast, you might hear me pause occasionally. It's because uh, this past week has been a very tiresome week, so my voice is trying to give out on me a little. So occasionally I have to take a quick sip of water, and I try to keep you all from hearing that. But just in case there's a few pauses momentarily, I haven't left you all. That's just what's going on. I'm saving my voice to make it through the whole podcast. Um, now, outside of saying thank you, I also want to say I found it very interesting how many people commented on my Southern accent or my Southern drawl. And I live in Birmingham, Alabama, y'all. I don't consider myself to have a Southern accent. So that really made me laugh. But I mean, if the shoe fits, I'll wear it. It's just so funny because I hear so many true, real, deep Southern accents on a daily basis. So it kind of makes me laugh because I'm like, well, if you heard these people, you'd probably think I didn't have an accent. But it's still fun. Like I say, uh, if the shoe fits, I'll gladly wear it. Um, and that is another thing, too, the fact that I say Birmingham, because my European friends were commenting and saying that they've never heard it said Birmingham before, that they've always heard the British version of Birmingham. And uh, yeah, well, um, we here in, the, in America, especially in the South, make slaughtering the English language a bit of a pastime. So we've completely changed the pronunciation of most words. And uh, Birmingham became Birmingham, uh, which is my favorite city. I absolutely love it here. Some people asked if I would do features on Birmingham itself, and I might have some of that slip in here just because I do love my city, but the primary purpose of this is the podcast uh, on books. So if Birmingham were to slip in and be more, hey, I'm doing this episode on location at some location in Birmingham, uh, top secret one, like a brewery or something that I could feature. So there's always a chance that that might come out soon or there might be some places on location, but this is going to always be about books. And speaking of books, 
The title of this one is The Books of Summer. The reason why it's The Books of Summer is this is going to discuss my currently reading books right now during the summertime. What I want to do is during the course of the podcast, I want to go ahead and take occasional snapshots of what I'm reading and just discuss those and let you know what's caught my interest, what sort of reader I am. Um, I thought about doing it once a month, but as I'm doing this podcast every other week, that would be, you know, every other episode would then become what I'm currently reading. Well, that'd be boring to me and boring to y'all. So I decided to go ahead and spread that out and do it each season. So this is the books that I'm reading this summer. Now, it's not going to be every book that I've read over the summer, um, but it's going to be what's on my currently reading pile at that time, or if I just finished one and it's still fresh on my heart and my mind. Now, that is books with an S. Um, I am what one of my friends on Instagram, uh, Bookshrine, shout out, go follow their account, uh, described as a poly reader. I believe in reading multiple books, multiple comic books, multiple stories at one time. I know there are many, many people who are wonderful readers who would never read more than one book at a time. They're quite adamant about it. I'm not trying to convert anyone. But allow me just a moment to go ahead and discuss being a poly reader and how I handle multiple books at a time and, and my mindset behind it. Being a poly reader means that, of course, I'm reading more than one book at a time. Some of the reasons why and some of the ways I do that. One is I rarely watch TV, y'all. TV and movies just rarely are a focus or a source of entertainment for me. College football season, I do watch quite a bit of college football. War Eagle. Uh, in my household, my wife and I both love the sport, so we both follow that sport closely. Outside of that, we'll watch some news, some documentaries, some HGTV, because we got to know if those people over in Italy are buying the house with the bad paint color or not. Um, because how can you not watch HTV, HGTV and House Centers International? It's just so much fun. But in my home, there's very little TV or movie watching. So I have more time for books. And I find that if I just read one book at a time, I get bored. I need to be able to read for a while. Even if it's a good book, set it down, read something else and enjoy something else just to refresh my mind. Um, to me, it really is like watching multiple TV shows during the course of a season. I know that there are many mono readers who hate that analogy. I don't quite understand why they hate that analogy because it's a really good analogy. Um, just like people who enjoy watching TV will watch multiple shows during the course of one single season, poly readers are reading multiple books during the course of, you know, a season or a time, and you can bounce between them. The stories are different, so they speak differently to you at different points. Um, now, one point about it is it does slow down my reading. I have become a slower reader with a lot more number of books that I read. Used to when I just read one or two books at a time, I was able to tear on through them. Now it takes me a while to finish a book. That's not a bad thing though, because sometimes I need to be able to sit down and digest what I just read. Like when I read Brian Ruckley's Godless World Trilogy. By the time I got to the third book, The Fall of Thanes, <clears throat> that book took me a year or more to complete. And one of the main reasons was because I was so emotional over that book that after each page, one or two pages, I had to set it down. I just had to set it down, digest what I just read, 
let, let it soak in and I just couldn't keep on reading more because I was so emotional over what was happening in that book. However, I still wanted to read. So when I'd set that down, I would just go ahead, pick up another book and read another book for a little while. And that is one thing that I get questioned on often is, well, how do y'all poly readers do it? Do you literally read one page in this book, one page in that book, one page in this book? And maybe some people do that. For me, I do read multiple books in each reading session if I can. I'll uh, go ahead and read a chapter or two in one book, set it down, pick up another book, read a chapter or two, set it down, pick up another book and read a chapter or two. Sometimes I will get caught up in just one book and just focus on that book and ignore all others and just read through that one. But most often I'm rotating books in each session. Normally it's not one page at a time. Fall Thanes is an extreme example where it was just about one or two pages. Normally it's a chapter or two, but I try to rotate during each reading session to keep it fun and fresh for me. Some books are fast reads and some books are slow reads. So I don't want to just read a slow book at a time. I want to be able to go ahead and enjoy some books during the middle of a slow read. For me, I love reading history. And so, but when I read a history book, those take me a while because they send me off on tangents because I'll read about one obscure person in a history book. Next thing you know, I'm going on Wikipedia to go ahead and research this person to find out more about this person. So since those are ones that I get distracted on, I try to go ahead and read those alongside other books that I can go ahead and tear through and enjoy. Um, now, sometimes you're reading books and they're just different formats. Like if you listen to audiobooks like I do, I listen to audiobooks on the car ride to work. It's not always going to be the same audiobook that I'm reading. So that's more than one book. So it's sometimes a matter of convenience. But again, no pressure on anyone to become a poly reader. I just personally am because I enjoy it. It fits my lifestyle and it, it suits me and it suits my reading style. But you read however you want to read. Uh, no pressure from me whatsoever. Now, on to the books of summer. My summer reads. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to two books that I just finished and launched into the 12 that are on my currently reading list. If you go by Goodreads, you can see them all there. I'm also going to go ahead and post a corresponding blog to this that's going <clears> to <throat> give you names and images for each and every single one of these books along with links in case you're interested in getting them yourself and reading alongside. But shout out to the two books that I just finished, which were Grindle Tales, Volume 1 and 2, the Omnibus Collection of uh, Matt Wagner's comic book. Now, if you know me, you already know that I read comic books and that in my eyes, they get the same respect as a book gets because they're still stories. Um, they can be just as hard hitting. I, I don't judge them because of the medium. Whether you like comic books or not, I'm just letting you know um, I respect them and I think of them as stories. So they will be getting reviewed on Red Star Reviews as well. And uh, if you followed along over the years, you know that Grindle by Matt Wagner is my favorite comic book. It's a sad comic book, and you'll notice I like sad stories. Um, this is not one that I highly recommend to people, not because I think it's not good quality, but just because I think that it's a specific niche market. I don't know that as many people would truly enjoy it. 
And do you have those sorts of books where you're just like, man, this is incredible. I love this. It's one of the greatest things ever. I don't think people will like it. <laughs> so you don't know whether or not to be like, hey, you should try this because there's a part of you that's like, I don't want to recommend it because I don't want people to hate it and then tell me how much they hate it. <laughs> that does happen to me. And uh, Grindel's one of those good examples. But Grindel Tales is where Matt Wagner actually opened up his creation to allow other creators to go into the world that he had created and tell their own stories within that world. So it's other illustrators and other writers that are diving into his creation and creating their own stories. And the readers are rewarded by that. And I found that just such an amazing concept for a creator-owned comic book to be willing to open up to that. And it created some amazing stories. They collected them all up into two big omnibuses. And my beautiful wife bought them for me for my birthday. And I've already read through them, loved them. They were absolutely amazing. Five stars out of five stars. And highly recommend them to those who like brutal and sad and um, difficult comic books to read. Now, on to what I'm currently reading. Um, first off with what I'm currently reading is a history book, which is a slow read for me, as I said before. It is The Balkans, Nationalism, War, and the Great Powers, 1804 to 1999 by Misha Galini. Now, why the Balkans? Because I actually have several bookstagram friends who are from the Balkans, and they're just like, why are you reading up on this? Well, that is a time period, uh, a location in the world that just interests me. And the time period around the 1900s and 19, to the 20th century to the rise and fall of Yugoslavia, to the conflicts that popped up in that area. It's just a time period that fascinates me because a lot of those conflicts were happening around the same time that I was becoming very socially conscious about what's going on in this world around me. And uh, even when like the Dayton Accords were signed, I lived in Ohio right near Dayton at that time. So it was a time period that just interests me and to truly be able to understand what's happening in a region, you have to understand the backstory. And so far, this history book really does a great job of explaining a lot of just what's going on over the course of that 200 years in that time place. Um, one thing you'll find, it's difficult to find unbiased sources of history. So far, this one seems to be pretty unbiased, seems to be pretty fact-laden and straightforward, but it's a slow read. I expect to be reading this book for the next two to five years as I try to dig through it. History books take me a long time to read, y'all. <clears throat> but while I'm reading that, I'm also reading, uh, the second book I'm currently reading is Another Bloody Love Letter by Anthony Lloyd. This book is set during the time of the Kosovo conflict. Um, and Anthony Lloyd is a war journalist and a heroin addict. And he details both his experiences during the war and his deeper descent into heroin addiction and the battles that he did as he tried to fight um, that addiction. And the heroin addiction part actually is extremely interesting. It's a very introspective book. Um, I was hoping to gain more understanding about the war in Kosovo during that time. However, I have to say that it is incredibly biased and that's a little bit disappointing. Anthony Lloyd took a lot of his bias from previous conflicts in that region and invested him into the Kosovo one, so he finds it impossible to tell that story without rehashing things that happened in previous conflicts. Um, now, whether fair or unfair, it is his perspective, so I am getting his perspective on it, but his, it is 
sadly biased, but it's a very introspective work that looks into the heart of why be a war journalist. It also looks into what it what leads to addiction and how the difficulty of trying to remove yourself from it. So I find that brutal introspection to be very interesting and engaging. The third book I am reading is a comic book by a local creator who wrote it, illustrated it, lettered it, colored it, published it all by herself. Um, Jay Addison has created Thistle and Spade. And oh my God, y'all, this artwork and this story is phenomenal. I really am enjoying it. Um, you can find this one online. I'll post a link to the story uh, in my blog, like I said, I was going to write. And what it is, it is an alternative world, similar to ours, but more of a fantasy world. And in this world, they're just coming out of their own World War II. And where it starts is we're following a mercenary who is fighting on one of the sides in their little World War II. And at the very end, for reasons unknown to the reader, all of a sudden the soldiers in the area turn on all the mercenaries that are fighting alongside them to slaughter them. One of the mercenaries is able to survive. And now this is their story as they're fighting for their survival and trying to sort out what happened. And it is engaging. It's interesting. I'm enjoying the artwork and the story. So I highly recommend Thistle and Spade. Um, and it was also neat to get to meet the creator and get to sit down and talk with them just a little bit about their work. So that was very exciting. The fourth book that I'm reading is actually a middle grade level book. Um, no judgment against anyone who reads YA, middle grade, new adult, um, general fiction, historical fiction, romance novels, kids books. Y'all, books are books. Read books. Don't worry about um, whether or not this book is a YA paranormal romance. Just read what you enjoy. And if people are judging you because of it, don't let that bother you at all. Just enjoy the books that you're reading. That said, this is a middle grade book. So if any of y'all have young up and coming kids that are looking for a good middle grade book, or if you're just looking for a good book that features a badass heroine, um, The Mad Wolf's Daughter by Diane McGrath is amazing. I'm about a quarter of the way into it so far. And um, it is set in Scotland. And uh, the Mad Wolf and all of his sons have been captured by an enemy party, and the daughter is the only one who managed to escape the party that was attacking them. So she is now off in the woods trying to go ahead and locate the castle where her father and brothers were taken hostage to, and then sort out how on earth she's going to rescue them, armed only with her wits and with the sword that's almost too big for her to even swing. So she is incredibly resourceful. The conversations that she's having internally are absolutely amazing. It's endearing right from the start. I am loving this adventure. And the author is also really cool to follow on Twitter. So huge shout out to them. And uh, I, I am truly enjoying this book. The fifth book I'm reading uh, is actually a poetry book because I'm trying to get more into poetry. And to get more into poetry, I wanted to read topics that interest me because let's just be honest. For me, when it comes to poetry, most poetry goes right over my head. I literally have to sit down and read a poem three, four, or five times before I start kind of grasping the deeper meaning in them. And 
so I just don't naturally gravitate towards poetry, even though I like it. It's just one of those things that it's difficult for me to go ahead and read and get a lot out of. So I'm trying to intentionally go ahead and read more poetry so I can go ahead and develop that aspect of my reading life. Now, the way that I'm doing that is I'm picking poetry books on topics that fascinate me. And just like the history of the Balkans fascinates me, the history of the Vietnam conflict fascinates me. It is such a divisive time in American history. And no matter where you look, you really are not going to find unbiased sources covering that conflict. Uh, Ken Burns, shout out his massive documentary, tried to go ahead and be a little unbiased, I think, but now he's still pretty biased. Um, but in order to go ahead and get deeper into poetry and study a time that just fascinates me, I decided to look online and see if there were any books of poetry by Vietnam War veterans, because I know there's so much music and counterculture and lyrics that you could read, but I'm like, what about books of poetry? And lo and behold, I discovered um, soon after going online, a book entitled Winning Hearts and Minds, War Poems by Vietnam Vets. And it was published during the end of the Viet Vietnam War. And it features poems by uh, Vietnam War vets. Now, these are not necessarily polished poets. A lot of these poems are very raw. Some aren't any good. Um, but every single one of them gives you another layer of insight into the hearts and minds of those in that conflict. And yes, it is from the American side. Um, it is very interesting. A lot of it is details, quite brutal encounters, and uh, it's quite heartbreaking as you read on through it. But I'm truly enjoying getting to look inside of that and getting to dig deeper into that conflict. Um, the sixth book that I'm currently reading See, being a poly reader has benefits. You get to give long podcasts, right? But the sixth book that I'm currently quote unquote reading is actually an audio book. That's one of the tricks to being a poly reader. Different formats help. Um, but this one is Emperor of Thorns by Mark Lawrence. It's the third book of his Broken Empire trilogy. And it is amazingly good. They picked out the best reader for this series. I do not know that they could have picked a better one just the voice fits. He's able to do multiple voices, which fit all the characters, the sound effects, everything is working so good about listening to this book. Now, if you're sitting there saying, well, I hate reading or listening to audios. Is it an okay book to read? I've also been reading it somewhat alongside while listening when I have chance. And I can easily say that, yes, his writing style is one that draws you right in and gets you right into the action and gives you the story. Um, it is, it's awesome. For those who have actually encountered this trilogy, y'all know it follows, um, I don't even think you could call him an anti-hero. It follows a villain by the name of George, or Jorg. And he is an awful, awful person um, who was raised by awful people. So yes, he is the product of, of his environment, but he is awful. <laughs> I guess that's the only way you can say it. Over the course of the series, you do see personal growth with inside of him. You see him change. You see him handle situations differently. And that's been amazing to get to see and very rewarding. Um, but no, this is not one that I'm expecting a happy ending from. Uh, this is a grim, dark fantasy that is one that draws you in. You watch George grow. You watch him change, but then you see him 
go ahead, take those two steps forward and then three steps back and become a horrible person again. Uh, but meanwhile, it's in a shattered um, world where there was an empire and now it's been split up into all these little parts and he's one of the royalty who's trying to bring the empire back together. He's just trying to bring it together under his own heel. Uh, and he has a difficult battle to try and get that. Now, um, the seventh book I'm reading is also a grimdark fantasy. For those of you who don't know what grimdark fantasy is, we're going to have an episode here soon where we break down different genres of fantasy and science fiction. Um, but grimdark fantasy is the stabby, brutal, bloody, dark fantasy, which normally does not feature heroes. Normally it has an anti-hero or a villain at its core. And um, they're the ones that do the brutal side of fantasy. So a lot of people, it's not their cup of tea for those who like it. It is absolutely wonderful to read, I think. Um, but the seventh book that I'm currently reading is The Tower of Living and Dying by Anna Smith Spark. This is the second book of her Empires of Dust series, the sequel to Court of Broken Knives. This book is bloody poetry, y'all. It's bloody poetry. It is prose written on blood and gore. It is impressive. The characters that are in here, their hearts, their minds, the stream of consciousness, you get to see the internal conflict, the descriptive terms. Um, her writing style is one that it might take you just a moment to go ahead and get into the rhythm of it because it is so unique. She has a unique voice when she approaches her stories. But once you get into that rhythm of it, it is just amazing and it just draws you along bit by bit by bit deeper and deeper into the story and the story that is unfolding is incredible absolutely incredible there's magic there's betrayal there's gods there's princes there's kings and queens there's brutal war there's mercenaries there is uh family infighting i mean there's everything inside of this that you could want inside a grim dark fantasy it is incredible and i highly recommend it um also i actually got this one as a arc copy um, i rarely take on arc copies and one of the reasons why is because i have so many books that are unread on my to be read pile and um, already need to try and read the ones that i own but another reason is because I know that it's difficult for me to read through a book during a certain promised time period. So when I take on an ARC from an author, it's normally with the understanding that, hey, by the time I've read this and I've reviewed this, there's a good chance you may have already published it. If you're okay with that, then we can go forward with this conversation. If you're not, then you need to find other reviewers because there are plenty of reviewers that only read ARCs and they rock. And I'm so thankful for them because y'all do an incredible service. I'm just not that guy, unfortunately. But this is one. I'd already read the first book. When the author offered an ARC, I was like, yes, 100% send it to me. And I will try to get it done. Well, good news for all y'all who have finished the first book. The second book's already published. My review should come soon um, as I tear through this book to try and get it within a timely fashion. All right. So enough about ARCs and on to book number eight. Book number eight is book 32 of the Horus Heresy, uh, which is a book series which is currently over 50 books right now, I believe. Um, it's a never-ending book series, and uh, y'all already have heard my joke before, but how do you finish a never-ending series? By never stop reading it. Um, so I'm on book 32, uh, which is Deathfire by the author Nick Kine. 
um, the Horus Heresy is the backstory to Warhammer 40K, which is grim, dark military sci-fi. Um, in Warhammer 40K, you're in the 40th millennium, and the whole world is falling apart. The universe is falling apart. The Imperium of Man is beset by enemies and evil within and on every side and barely holding on and threatening destruction. And it's all because of a betrayal that took place 10,000 years prior by a son of the emperor by the name of Horus. Well, the creators of Warhammer 40K decided to go back 10,000 years and tell this story. And since it's such an important story, they're not telling it quickly. You'll get two or three books which further the overall storyline, and then they'll jump sideways for about five books, which is fun, actually, once you get used to it. Um, most of us, I think, are used to reading series that just kind of go straight towards the end. And this is one that stops, takes a curve, goes back in time, goes to the right, goes to the left, because it's a galactic civil war. So they're like, well, we're going to show you everything that's going on in the galaxy at that time. And I found it to be very enjoyable. And uh, um, that's another reason why I joke that I'm a poly reader, because of a never-ending series like this that I want to finish. But I also want to read other things. So I'll set down a book, a Horse Heresy book for a while, read another book, return back to the Horse Heresy. Book 32 picks up where previous ones have left off. And uh, it's quite enjoyable military sci-fi action with chivalry and brutality and um, betrayal and brotherhood and camaraderie and sacrifices galore. It's just some, if you like military sci-fi, you should be reading um, some Warhammer. And the Horse Heresy is some of the best from Warhammer out there. The ninth book that I'm reading is Embers of War by Gareth L. Powell. I saw this book. It had a neat cover and it had a spaceship flying across the galaxy. I'm like, okay, that's, that's interesting. That's an interesting name, Embers of War. Let's take a look at this. And I looked at the back and on the back... The blurb compared it to a cross between Anne Leckie and Ian M. Banks. And how can I not buy a book that is compared to a cross between Anne Leckie and Ian M. Banks? If you've read anything by Anne Leckie and Ian M. Banks, you already know how amazing they are and you know how irresistible a book that's supposed to be a cross between them would be. So I picked it up, went ahead and uh, started reading it. Because how do you not start reading a book like that? And it is so interesting and enjoyable. It's fun. Um, you have uh, aware spaceships that are, have artificial intelligence and are self-aware that decide they no longer want to be used in war anymore and they want to be used to try and save others after they were unwittingly used for genocide. Um, so now they're trying to pay their penance and go ahead and help rescue people across the galaxy. There's plots. There's flawed characters and broken people who are trying to figure out their own life, and it just is engaging right from the start. So I'm really looking forward to seeing where this book goes and where the overall series goes. Um, now, that's going to bring us to book, books 10, 11, and 12. Books 10, 11, and 12 are all by the same author. They're by Ian M. Banks. And y'all, if you've been following me for a little while, you know Ian e. M. Banks has become my favorite author. That's not easy to do. For the longest of time, my favorite author was J.R.R. Tolkien because that's the author who inspired me to actually read 
and grow up as a reader. And he stayed at the top of my heart until finally I read Frank Herbert's Dune Saga, and then Frank Herbert managed to unseat him. Only just, but managed to unseat him. And Frank Herbert, for the longest of time, became my favorite author. And it's hard to pick out favorite authors because you love so many. So you feel safe saying, oh, Frank Herbert, no one's going to top him. J.R.R. Tolkien, no one's going to top his work. But then I came across Ian M. Banks, and he's unseated both. And I don't know that anyone will ever unseat <laughs> that position in my heart. Sorry to all current authors writing. Please keep trying. Um, but Ian M. Banks is writing the books that I have wanted to read for all my life. And I came late to the game. Um, but his culture novel series, which is a 10 book series, is amazing. And each book keeps topping the previous book in it. Um, I'll have a whole podcast one day just dedicated to Ian and Banks. So I won't go too, too far in depth into the culture series. But what I'm currently reading by him, I'm currently reading the book that sparked my interest in the culture series, Accession which is a book that details part of the thing about the culture is you have artificially aware um, and, you know, AI driven minds, which have the same freedoms as human inside the culture society. And the AI minds keep creating smarter and smarter and smarter versions of themselves. Accession is those AI minds coming in contact with something that they can't describe and then having a conversation amongst themselves over what it is and how to handle it while the humans are caught in the middle trying to also sort out what's going on. And it's phenomenal. I'm loving it. Um, book 11 is actually his book, Against a Dark Background. Now, Against a Dark Background, which that title is amazing, and the cover's super cool, is a uh, science fiction book that's not set in the culture series. And to be honest, it took me in, until I was just passed halfway through before this book actually became enjoyable to read. I know that's not a stunning, hey, this author's great, read half his book before you like him. But um, halfway through the book, Against the Dark Backgrounds, finally capturing me. I'm finally understanding the rhythm to the story. Um, it details a bunch of soldiers from a war that's done um, who then go into being uh, antiquities hunters. And they end up in a situation where they are now being forced to go ahead and search for one of the most dangerous antiquities where if they actually succeed, they may still yet die. Um, and there is betrayal and, again, flawed characters. And there's battles between each other because they've ended up on different sides of life at this point. Um, and it's just interesting. It's engaging. And now that I'm halfway through it, I'm really enjoying it and wanting to see where it goes. Uh, the final book that I'm reading is um, a collection of poems by Ian M. Banks and his friend and fellow author Ken McLeod. Uh, most people don't know that Ian M. Banks was also a poet, and that's because he only, during his lifetime, he has passed away, but during his lifetime, he published only a couple poems, and for the most part, he only shared them with his friends. But towards the end of his days, he had decided, well, I'll actually want to publish these into a book. So he communicated with his fellow author, Ken McLeod, who was a close friend and also a poet, and they decided to go in together and write a book of poems. And he was working upon this up until his final days. And uh, Ken McLeod took it, published it, and uh, it is um, entitled Poems by Ian Banks and Ken McLeod. 
It is, so far, uh, amazing. Uh, like I said, I have to read poems two, three, four times before I catch them. And I'm reading one poem over and over and then going to the next one, reading it over and over. But these are fascinating to me. Uh, again, a lot of these are sad. As you notice, probably throughout most of these books, I like a lot of sad stories. So it's not surprising that I like some sad poetry. Um, but I'm starting to get the rhythm for Enum Banks' poems. So I'm looking forward to what Ken's will be at the end of the book because they split them up in half so you know who wrote what. But um, one of the lines that has already stood out to me, and it was also used in one of my favorite books, um, Use of Weapons by Enum Banks, uh, is the line, the bomb lives only as it is falling, which is only one line in a poem. And you sit there and you think about it. Okay, so the bomb lives only as it's falling. So the bay doors opening and the bomb being released is like its birth. The combustion at the end of the fall is like its death. And that lifespan is just as that bomb is falling and it has such a short life. How is it going to have that life? What is it going to do? Because a lot of time we focus on just the impact and we forget the transition period. So like I said, this is stuff that actually has me thinking. I'm loving it. Um, and one thing about poetry is when the poet writes the poem and puts it in the hand of the reader, no matter what the poet might have intended, the reader interprets it in their own way. So y'all might interpret that massively different than me, and that's a-okay, because that's poetry. So that is all the books I'm currently reading, all 12 of them, and the two that I just finished. Um, hope that wasn't too boring for y'all to listen to. Hope that was exciting and fun. And with each episode of the Red Star Reviews podcast, I want to go ahead and finish out with a book recommendation because this is a book review podcast. So I want to go ahead and recommend a book for y'all. And this book that I'm going to go ahead and recommend is actually a fantasy book. It is not my normal sad fare. This is one that I think is more exciting and has more of an upbeat ending to it. But it's called Kings of the Wild by Nicholas Eames. And Wild is spelled W-Y-L-D. It's a standalone. However, he has written a sequel to it, which doesn't feature the primary characters, but takes secondary characters from the first book and makes them the stars. So you don't have to worry about getting drawn into a huge series. However, if you know you like good books, you'll probably get drawn into a series. Um, but Kings of Lot is so good. It's so refreshing. It had a diverse group of characters, and it's basically imagine a world in which mercenary bands are viewed similar to how we view rock and roll stars in our world. And the greatest rock and roll group or mercenary band um, had broken up and they need to get back together for one last rock, one last mission. So it's these old stars, old mercenaries getting back together to try and pull off the ultimate adventure. And it's phenomenal. So I highly recommend uh, Kings of Wild by Nicholas Eames. That's my recommendation. That's episode two of the podcast. Please be sure to go ahead and subscribe, write a review, leave five stars. Maybe even if you don't think it's worth five stars, uh, but you can be honest with that. That's okay. If you want to contact me, you can always email me redstarreviews at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Instagram or Twitter under Red Star Reviews. Uh, I'll be posting on my website, www.redstarreviews.com, 
about all these books that I'm currently reading in case you're interested in finding any of them. As always, thank you so much. I appreciate you all, and I'm looking forward to the next podcast.